Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we're breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch the Sunday blues. Welcome to the No More Mondays movement. Hello, everybody, and welcome to No More Mondays. I am your host, Angie Callen, and if it already sounds like I'm having a good time, well, I am. I am Italian, I love to cook, and I love to eat. And today on No More Mondays, I finally get to talk about nothing but food, maybe a little Boston, maybe a little career change too, with my new friend, TV personality, radio host, culinary educator, and chef to the stars, Joe Gatto. Joe, welcome to No More Mondays. Well, thank you so much for having me. I wish I was there so I could cook you a meal. That's what I really love to do. I would totally take you up on that. Although I've just got to tell you right off the bat, I am a really annoying gluten-free Italian. Oh, that's okay. I've got your back. So is my sister. I uh, I think that this was the shortest intro ever, but we're gonna make up for it in in conversation. I'm I'm super excited you're here, and I you know I rambled off quite the list of things you've got your fingers into, which just reinforces you're everywhere in Boston's food scene. So give everybody a little bit more insight into what you're up to. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm Chef Joe Gatto, and. I'm known for making everything from scratch. So I hand forge my own knives. I pull water out of the Atlantic, make salt. I break down whole animals. I milk cows, make butter and cheese, make my own charcoal. Um, I'm a private chef to A-listers like Celtics players, Red Sox players. I have one TV show on Pluto TV called From Scratch, shockingly. I have two TV shows in development. I have a show on NPR called From Scratch. And I have a national book called Seriously From Scratch. So that's me in a nutshell. That is quite a small nutshell. And (laughs) all right. So before we started recording, everybody, Joe and Jim, who is my husband and producer, were having a hilarious exchange about Jim the Mountain Man because he has this very like hilarious, you know, he's got a big old mountain beard. And now I totally get it that you, the two of you are kindred spirits. So here comes an invite. I believe that Jim would like you to come and forage mushrooms with us. Oh, caught me in. I mean, are you kidding? All day. All day. Yeah. We still have uh, that, bags in the freezer from last summer. See, I would I would be able to, I would be cooking so many things for my wife with us. Like she's a mushroom freak. And now that we're watching The Last of Us, you know, it all comes to full circle. Oh my gosh, it's so good, isn't it? Oh, my son and I, who's thirteen, we like every Sunday he's like, you know, today's the day. And I'm like, Oh, I know, I know, buddy. You know, we're gonna have stuffed mushrooms and then watch Last of Us. There's a squirrel we could go on because it's probably one of the best shows I've seen I've seen for a while. But uh, let, let's maybe get back on track for one of the twelfth times we're going to go on on tracks over the off track of the next half hour. I learned a fun fact as we were kind of getting ready to start recording, and that is that you did not start your career in F and B, and so we have a little career change to talk about. Tell me more about that transition. It's funny. Because I started cooking since I was a little kid on the counter with my mom, you know, in the kitchen, up on the counter, doing the sifting, Julia Child playing on a 12 inch black and white in the back with that mono speaker, right? And her and Jacques Pepin just filling my head with all this great culinary knowledge. And it just kept progressing and I kept cooking and cooking. And then when I was around a teenager, I found film 
I was always like a cinemaphile, but I really discovered I had a knack for it. And, you know, we'd rent video cameras from the local video store and I'd make these films and I was pretty good at it. I was like, oh, I think this is what I want to do. So at 21, I moved from Boston to Berkeley Cal, started working as a filmmaker. I got a job at this little tiny production house called Eiffel Tower, and it was Eiffel. And I started shooting and just started a career in filmmaking. Then I started doing short films and music videos. And then it just kind of kept blossoming. And that's kind of what I did for all through my 20s. I was just a filmmaker. And then I moved back to Massachusetts for a couple of years and I shot a feature here called Overserve, which is on IMDb. And um, you can see my director photo with the cheesy sunglasses looking very 90s, you know, like early 2000s, like, yeah. So as we were shooting that, I, you know, Sam Adams came on board and we shot at their brewery. It was all about a restaurant, like just really very heavily influenced by uh, Kevin Smith and my wife, got recommended, I didn't know her, she got recommended by my cinematographer to come on. She had just gotten her master's in film and produced this ski film and worked with my cinematographer who I've known for like 30, 40 years. And he said, you know, I just worked with this girl. I know you're looking for a producer. She's younger, but she's super sharp. You should, you should interview her. And so I met my wife, not at the, you know, she wasn't my wife at the time. And um, she was just, just like Tony said, super smart sharp and you know super cute too as a bonus and um so she came to work and we made the feature and then we moved to la together after we got married and a little onset romance and i was feeding her of course and we moved to la and started working in the film industry there did a bunch of shorts wrote a couple features and then my wife got pregnant with my son and you know we didn't want to we didn't want to raise him in LA because I mean, honestly, we would we didn't want him to be a douchebag. I mean, like let's be honest. You're, you know, we're I, all a bunch of East Coasters, so you're right. not gonna get any pushback from me. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the deal. And I had been feeding my crew, and that's when Food Network was like the thing, you know, like Emerald Bam. And like it was just like blowing up and becoming this thing. And I really I wasn't just like cooking as a hobby. I was, I was doing stuff that people were like, wait, what? And I really loved it. And a couple of my friends just off the cuff said, you should like do a class and teach us all how to make this chicken piccata you had at the party. So I did. And then all of a sudden my classes started filling up and my weekends were spent teaching and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And we moved back to be near our family to have with my son. And when we got back, I got a job teaching and I was there for a little while. And a woman came in who owned a private chef company. And she said, you know, your food is phenomenal. She said, you're really entertaining. She's, I, she's like, I have a slot open in my company for a chef. I think you'd be perfect. And I had never even thought that route. And I was like, oh, okay. So I gave it a shot ended up being pretty good at it. And six months, eight months after that, I bought the company. I was like, I can do this. And I transitioned it more to A-listers. Then I got a Red Sox player. Then all of a sudden, again, NBA player. And then my wife was like, oh, you should do a TV show. 
She's like, you'd be still good in front of the camera. She's like, you've done that. She's like, and you know how to do producing. She's like, and I'll help. She's like, you can do everything from scratch. That's so really unique. I'm like, how are we going to do a half hour show, which is really 23 minutes about something from scratch. And I was like, I'll make one thing. So I sat down, I spent, I don't know, three weeks, a month. And I wrote a pilot, which became from scratch. And I called all my friends who do TV professionally. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I need you to come to this kitchen I got and shoot this for me. And so they did. And then I cut a little pilot, like a 23 minute. I made a BLT from scratch. So I made homemade beer bread. I made five pounds of homemade maple chipotle bacon on the smoker. I made sriracha. I made mayo. I made homemade potato chips with homemade salt and vinegar, salt. Like I did everything. And then cut it because I know how to edit. And my wife had a party to, like for her best clients. And she said, will you teach a pasta class for them? And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, you know, cause we, I, she always lends me out. Right. Like I'm like her little, you know, boy, boy. You guys, are, you guys are so much like us, not even in the, like the food, the culinary, I'm starving right now because of everything <laughs> you just said. But I also, I volunteer Jim for everything. And oh, he yeah. is a complete willing participant who usually says yes, which is why he's also on the other end of this of this conversation right now. Um, That's me. My is... wife picks me on, you know, she's like, just wind him up and let him go. Yeah, right? and exactly. Like Voluntel, by the way. That's Yes, Voluntel. That's basically what what it is. And then, oh, so at the at the class after class everyone likes to stick around and ask me a billion questions take pictures sign a book and stuff and i i love that part of it i love conversing with people and just telling them and they said would you ever want to open a restaurant i was like no god no no no, no that is definitely i'm a diva like I, that is definitely not what i want to do i'm a private chef to the end of the earth i like my tv and radio i was like that's I like not my what life. i want to do i right. like my life yeah right don't want employees. So they were like, oh, because we're angel investors and we're looking for another investment. And I was like, oh, I see. I was like, well, here's something interesting. I just finished a pilot to a TV show. I was like, maybe you can invest in that. So I sent them the pilot and then they called me and they were like, this pilot's amazing. They were like, we want to invest in your show. And I was like, okay. So I did a whole breakdown of an entire season because I know how to do that because they have the background and they said yes. And they cut me a check and I did an entire season and I got my friend Ryan to direct, who's a professional and he took a couple months off and like, then my wife produced, I wrote it, started it. We had a big crew and we just went for a whole summer and went all around Massachusetts making everything from scratch. So, you know, I was getting all these amazing artisans and farmers and then that, we finished that and I had a couple friends in LA when we finished, I sent it over to one who does like sound for all big bands like Foo Fighters and stuff. And he was like, dude, the show's amazing. He's like, my friend just started at a distribution house. I'm gonna send it to her, sent it over. She loved it, sent it to her friend who's up more. He loved it, sent it to the VP, who's now a great friend of mine, Danny Bullardi and the VP of Principal Media. And he called me and he was like, your show's amazing, you're amazing, we wanna pick it up. They picked it up and then we got on Pluto TV and now I'm doing two bigger shows. I'm doing one with the creative diners, drive-ins and dives, 
based on his book called Food Americana, which has like a little Bourdain feel to it. And another one with Brian Callen from The Hangover, who's a big comedian. And we take celebrities out and recreate uh, their food memories. Geez, Joe, why don't you do something, right? It's the problem. It's the sitting around thing. I can't get around, you know, I'm just well, lazy. I... Cut from the same cloth. And so I, there's a couple of things that you said that just brought up total nostalgia of I used to get up at seven o'clock on Saturday mornings and you watch the four cooking shows on PBS. Julia, Jacques Papon, Mar- did you Boom. have Marianne Esposito? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yep. Yen can cook. Cut it up, cut it up, cut it up. Remember Yen can cook? Are that you was- kidding? Was the lineup. I think we are exactly the same age. And I was pro and people like even Jim is like, I I got up and played video games. I'm like, nope, I watched old people cook on PBS for two hours. And then I went and watched DuckTales. Yeah. See, I didn't do the DuckTales, but I definitely was up watching all of those programs. I got to meet Julia. So because of the culinary part of my life and well, we can just end the show now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I could drop the mic here. But I think, what from a from a just a what an interesting component of how this all unfolded for you is that you you took experience that you actually had. Like, you have to ask yourself, would you be here today had you not started your career in film, right? Because thought- it all really came together and helped you chart what is a really unique path in the food and beverage industry, where you didn't have to go slave away in a kitchen like most people right. imagine. That's exactly it. And it's my life is always just a, an amalgamation of everything that's happened to me. And I'm like, I like, I'm pretty laid back and I ride the wave because I'm so, I get so passionate about things. And I, and I'm, my wife says like, I'm someone that actually finishes everything they start and I'm a doer and I don't talk a game. I really do things. And so she knows when I say, Oh, I'm going to start another TV show. She's like, well, there goes that. Like he's definitely going to do that. But for me, it's like, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just that I was able to like make the TV show. Film taught me so much about just how do you have to, if you don't think things through at the beginning, you're screwed. Like all these things of bringing a team together, of having to see through every single detail, things that as I've gotten bigger as a chef have really come in handy to making dishes, to seeing things through to the end when I'm making charcuterie from a charcuterie chamber I built myself in the cellar and I'm making 90 day pepperoni and like all, you know, having to take notes every single day on it. Like all of that stuff is ingrained in me because you know, like the film industry, if you don't just work, if you don't work your ass off, there's, there's a million people that will. And that's just kind of carried over. But the beauty of it is I love film and I love making film and I still love making TV, you know, that's mine. But the film industry is filled with a lot of people. They never, it's all people, not all. I meant a lot of great people too. I shouldn't say all, but it's mostly people that think there's no room for you because if you get up there, they can't. They don't understand that there's plenty of room where the food industry has done nothing but embrace me. And it's all about giving back and it's about sharing. And that, that resonates much more with me because that's that's my kind of jam. That's who I am. I'm much more of a giver than I am a taker. That's an amazing realization, I think, to make if you look at your like in your own hindsight of, of like the film. And I'm, there's many other industries that have that selfishness to it. 
Yeah. Uh, and and film and, and 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 culinary are equally very very competitive. If you are more of a traditional, yeah. I mean, it is very very cutthroat. But there's a but you found your niche in it to do it in a way that feels really genuine and authentic to who you are and how you work best. And and left a place that did not align with that, which I think a lot of people are afraid to do. Yeah, it's because it, it can be scary. You know, it can be scary to something that you're finding some success in to leave it. But I have responsibility to my family, to my wife, but I, I have a lot of responsibility to myself to find something that makes me happy and that I can really enjoy that I do. Because if not, who? what am I? I'm not going to be very pleasurable and I'm not. I want to do something that feeds my soul so my kids see that they can do anything in the world. And I get to share all of this with my kids. They're up on the counter with me cooking. I mean, you can see it on my Instagram. I did They're see it on your Instagram this morning. That's not bullshit. That's me. When I meet people, I was just telling the story the other day. I was just at Whole Foods and I was talking to a couple of people who knew me from my show and we were just chatting. And they, it was actually my radio show. They knew me from out here. And we were chatting and chatting. And one of the women, halfway through the conversation, it was like five-minute conversation, said, oh, my God. She said, you're the exact same on and off the air. That's a huge compliment. I, I love that. Yeah, it really was. Because there's no shtick. I'm not putting up smoke screens. I do love traveling. Like, I had to go to a, a magazine shoot that they put me on the cover in Austin, Texas. And I was like, yeah, that's great. I was like, but you have to fly my family out too. And they were like, okay. And so the kids and my wife come and we go to Austin for a week. And that's what I love to do. I love spending time with them and sharing this adventure because they're part of it. You know, what's really interesting that I had actually, I wrote, I wrote this down to talk about and you just opened the the door to it. And, you know, I, and my mom is listening. Hi, Sonny. She's known Hi. for meatball. She's known for her meatballs. Um, she, you know, I grew up in the kitchen with her, and I still remember the, you know, it, at Christmas making cookies and having flour all over me, and you know, get your clothes mm-hmm. off in the kitchen so you don't get it. Like the kitchen is, it brings up such good memories for me, and I think that you have a similar experience to that. It's definitely a very like Italian thing too, but I feel like maybe that's getting lost a little bit, and in the days of. Hello Fresh and uh, fast food and take and bake and just like we don't circle around the kitchen so much. And I'm curious, like, why do you find it such a, an integral part of your of your life and your family? And why is that important and something we should seek? That's a fantastic question and a fantastic memory. I, I do think it can get lost, but I, I mean, I think that's part of the reason I'm here is to help people realize that this is an important piece because the kitchen is called the heart of the house for a reason, right? My memories are built there with my mom. We bonded in that kitchen. Our relationship's still super close and we still cook together all the time. And doing it with your kids, why is that so important? Because you're not gonna get that kind of quality time just ordering out. You, you can order a pizza and it might be great and you guys can have it at the table, but if you're making it together, that's a memory. And that's something when you share that, it's going to be indelible for them. They'll never forget that. They'll always remember that. And even if it's your first time making a pizza and it doesn't come out great, it's better. That's a memory. Right. And because my whole philosophy is food is the ultimate connector. 
it's the way people can truly connect. It doesn't matter religion, race, language, the food connects you. And especially in your own kitchen with your own family, it's you, you can't get closer than that. For me, them on the counter, my kids like cranking out pasta and covered in flour. And then we're sitting down and eating it, laughing about everything that just happened that fills not just my belly, but my soul, you know? And and like you said, those are things that they have forever. This is just super fun for me because I, I joke that if I could be anything in the world, it would be a Food Network star, but that ship has probably sailed at this point because there's been too many additions of the next Food Network star to even come close to getting on that anymore. But then I've also said that like if I could do it, I would have like a gluten-free bake shop, but I like to ski too much to have to go cook pastries at 4 a.m. and make coffee for everybody. <laughs> so so when you were like, oh, I don't want to work in a kitchen, I was like, yes, somebody else who loves food and doesn't want to work in a kitchen. And And I think it's just so interesting to like, use something that is so rooted in you, pair it with knowledge and experience and really carve a unique path for yourself that has, is exactly why you have, you stand out. And I also love that ride the wave aspect. You know, I'm a big fan on saying, okay, I want to get into culinary, but I got to figure out how to do it and just taking opportunities that they, as they come and look what's happened. Right. That's, that's exactly it. You have to be malleable. Right, because you you can't command life. But I also I could never be a nine to fiver. It's just not in me. I was always an artist from when I was a kid. I could never do it. So I knew from a really early age that I was an artist and that I'd have to carve out my own path. That's the thing with art, right? Sometimes you just get so caught up in art that you forget that it's a business. For me, I just had to figure out what I wanted to do business wise. And one of the things that other than TV and radio, which is all just kind of blossomed just out of the blue, the thing I love doing is teaching and the TV and the radio is an extension of that. It's a mechanism to do exactly that. And so I do big classes in Boston. I do like with the resident hotels. We just did a pizza class last night. So we do 30, 40 people at a time. You'll see there'll be a video up later today of one of the classes I just did. So we do like a master's pizza class where I make 72 hour dough and I bring it in, then people get to roll out, make their own pizza. I pull fresh mozzarella live and people really, the engagement in this kind of, it's it's not a happy hour. It's you're making something that's so near and dear and so much fun and you're getting all this knowledge at once. And then you have something that when you shove it in your pie hole, it blows your skull off. You're like, wow, this is what I want to do. I'm never buying pizza dough again, boom. That's one win for me. I'm not yes. saying you have to make mozzarella. I'm not saying you have to do anything. But if you're making the dough, I guarantee that that first one's free, right? That's going to crack it open. And then you're going to start wanting to explore because you can't force people. You have to pique their curiosity. Wet their appetite, if you will. Oh, I love it. It's an amaz bouche. Exactly. Now I like suddenly wish I lived in Boston again because I want to oh, come to one. It would be so fun. They're so fun. They're- I'm going to link to it in show notes because I want people to be able to find these things and, and take advantage of it. This Because it's just, it's again, it is like creating community around food, which is which I think is, is a big core theme to what you're doing and educating people to it and making it accessible. That's a huge thing. I think you just nailed it right there. Making it accessible is something I definitely wanted to do because what I do can seem super intimidating to people. They're like, you know, I can't do that. I'm like, well... 
you don't know how quite easy it is. The refrigerator is really doing a lot of the work here. Like, you know, when you start breaking it down, like cold fermentation, I can't do that. I don't work at NASA. You know, it's like, well, it's really just sitting in the fridge and it's a fancy term. The yeast is doing all the work. You're not doing anything. It's all these things of breaking down these misconceptions of what happens in the kitchen. My wife always says, because, you know, I cook 24 seven because I'm either doing something for Instagram or I'm doing recipe testing or I'm prepping for a big class. And she said, I'm, I'm like a grandmother from every country that listens to hardcore rap. <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't give you a visual of exactly who I am talking to right now, everybody, I don't know what yeah. does. <laughs> I love it. So I am you know, as different as it gets. And like embrace your, embrace the, the craziness, right? You know, I can tell, I can tell a mile away. You have to embrace that. You're kind of crazy. You have to embrace what you love to do and, I love telling people that like you can make your own career, but the weird thing that you like, that's probably the thing people will be most interested in. Yes. I think that this is the second time today I've said that I think we take ourselves way too seriously and yeah. aren't willing to get in touch with what's the weird thing that I, I really like making gluten-free ravioli. That's there you a go. weird thing. And I guarantee you're not alone. No. And actually, if you want the, Full story. I can't remember if I've ever. Uh, I might have mentioned this on the episode that we did with Sally Yukis, who's a, a uh, she's a culinary cookbook agent. Funny enough, it was the it was as close to food as I've gotten to talk about until today. And she and I talked about the fact that like I actually have a gluten free food blog, and my goal was to like package and put products out there. And I was like, well, shit, I need money to bankroll this. I'm gonna go start a coaching business so that I can actually Holy have crap. money to fund my product line. And now five years later, I got this thing going on. And we we're like, okay, we gotta get back to God gluten gone and do it. And you're totally inspiring me to get in touch with that stuff because like we That's just awesome. we also just did a huge kitchen renovation. So I have oh. been in there baking, failing at baking in my new oven a few times, but like it's, it just had made me want to be in there again and reminded me how much I really like enjoy doing these kind of stuff. So whether it's cooking or something else, like embrace the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's everybody's different and that's, what's beautiful. The thing I see a lot when I, I'm just, I'm on a lot of podcasts that where people, you know, for entrepreneurs and things like that, where people want to get to the business side of it. And the, the thing that you should never do is copy something. It's because it's not you. You're like a trend or a wave. It's like, well, that's gonna, that's not you. And it's not gonna last. You need something that two years down the road, you're still gonna love. And you're still gonna be you, a, a different you because you're growing constantly and everything's changing. But yeah, I mean, embrace the craziness. I think that's one thing out of a million that my kids give to me is just their insanity is, you know, it's infectious. Well, and they're also chips off the block. So I have a feeling that that kind of comes uh, full circle, but I, I li really like that idea of, you don't have to go copy. You can take, you can be inspired by, but sure. do the thing in your own way, because even if there is competition out there, you will resonate with your audience, just like you did this in your way and NPR called. Right. That's exactly. And then, you know, new shows pop up. Like my wife and I have this conversation, just she's an entrepreneur as well. And I never see anything really as competition because I'm doing something that's just me. There's no competition for me. I'm me. And no one does what I do. 
you just have to take that approach of that what you are is special and what you are is different. And I love that part of it. I love that when I see people, when I go to do a class for 40 people and they were, they all signed up immediately. My classes like throughout Boston sell out in two minutes when they're posted. And I love seeing the same people because it's like another family. And I get there and there's hugs because we've shared food and we've shared that time. So it's not like I went and did a talk, right? We friggin' ate pasta together. It's That's different. Like, like spending time in prison, right? Like you're like, you're bonded. It is we a should bonding have experience. I was chatting with this client of mine just last night, who is like a, a young kid, lives in Salt Lake City, loves to do outdoor stuff, kind of like we do in the mountains. And he actually came here. Uh, we live outside of Aspen. He came here uh, one day and we went and had barbecue at Buttermilk. And I literally, and he, last night he was like, thanks so much for chatting with me. And I'm like, man, we had barbecue at Buttermilk together. You are in a different class of client. I literally said that exact same thing to him. And it's just, it just is a different, it's, it's a different way to connect. And it, and it, it creates a stronger connection. That's it, right? Like when you shared that meal and shared barbecue, you're never going to forget that. And you guys are like literally closer for it. Th that reminds me of, we have a, we have a place in Tulum in Mexico. So we go down there and that's like my favorite place in the world. And I could just eat tacos and go to the beach constantly, like forever. That sounds like it's a great good. life. And one of the first time we went down, we were eating at a, at a place that was absolutely incredible. And I'm a Conchonita Pibo fan. And if people don't know what that is, it's like, it's like a pulled pork on steroids. It's like the ultimate pulled pork wrapped in banana leaves, achiote, just crazy. It means buried pig. And it's one of my favorite things to make. And it's like earthy and it comes with pickled red onions. So it's bright. It's just amazing. And it has what I think is the most important thing, which is balance. So I, I ordered it. It came. It was the greatest conchonita I've ever had in my life, including the, the stuff I make. And I was just blown away. Then we ordered a churro for dessert to split my wife and I. And this churro, I think I might have seen God. I'm not sure. But <laughs> I had never, it was like, it wasn't like a donut like it is in America. It was almost like a cream puff meets a donut. It was insanity. It was insanity. So I'm now talking to the waiter and I'm like, can you please tell the chef that this is the greatest meal I've ever had. Like, thank you so much. So the chef comes out and we start talking. We like through Instagram, we know each other. I'm like, he doesn't speak English. I don't speak Spanish. So we're going through the waiter. But you speak and, churros. Right. Well, damn right. I speak churro. I speak churro very well. Uh -huh. And uh, so next thing you know, as my wife says, Joe's gone. He's in the kitchen with the chef and they're piping churros into the hot oil. So he's teaching me how to do it. I come back to the table, I'm like, just like a giddy schoolgirl, right? Like that was the greatest, I'm so happy. This is the greatest vacation ever. I'm almost in tears, right? He comes over and he's had the waiter translate the recipe, which is his grandmother's into English for me to send home with me. That goes on my fridge when we get home and that's how we make churros every single time. I'll be that's over in five hours. Right. That's food. That's food. That's food to you me. Know, the, that's what it, the 
salad dressing recipe that we use for everything is a similar story from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. When my parents went on their honeymoon, they had a salad and my mom loved it so much. The kitchen gave her the recipe and 45 years later, we still use it. Right. So now we've also created a family tradition and your kids are going to have that same churro recipe and they're going to be known for it. Oh yeah. That's, and they know the story behind it and they've been to that restaurant because they come down to Tulum when we go to our place and like, so they know there's so much history there. And it, and that, here's a funny side note for for anyone listening. I did I, I love to go to places that do everything from scratch and just do it with them. So I went to this place, Boston Pasta. There's a video on my Instagram at Chef Joe Gatto, and like they have this extruder. It's insane. We had the best day. So the chef there makes like 15 dishes with all the pasta we just made and has me trying all this different food. It's all fantastic. And he does one with Swedish meatballs. I'm like, oh, my God, this thing is crazy. These meatballs are so good. He's like, oh, that's my grandmother's recipe. And he said, you want to hear a funny story? He said, yeah. He said, well, I eat these and cook these forever. And my mom just recently came over to give me the recipe. And she handed me she handed me a cutout recipe from the Boston Globe in 1974. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, this, she's like, this is grandma's recipe. <laughs> she got grandma's it out of the recipe. Globe. <laughs> so everyone has this. But see, that's so funny to me because it's grandma's history, right? Like the recipe came from Sweden, right? It's the globe. I love it. But that's the family. So that that to me, when I say from scratch, that's really what it means. It's not just, you know, that I can break down a a pig or, you know, make my own charcuterie. It's the from scratch element. Food is always a backdrop to people to me. So if you are not inspired to book a little dinner party right now with your friends who you feel like you need to reconnect with, please go do it. (laughs) I think that that is really like we've talked about. I'm literally starving because it's also also lunchtime here. And I was I should have eaten before I came and talked to you because I knew we were going to talk about all this stuff. But really, like while we're squirreling on all of this delicious food talk, it really boils down to this idea of using food as a mechanism whether that's a mechanism mm-hmm. to connect, whether that's a mechanism to educate, or whether that's a mechanism to go use your weird thing and do it only the way you can do it yeah, and, and be inspired to do that. Food's just the subject we're talking about right now because Joe and a I thousand. happen to both love it. Yeah. I mean, how can't you, right? Great food does a lot. It creates a lot of love. I'll tell you that. It does create a lot of love. I think that's a very, very – and like – in our house, that's how my mom shows love. Like literally when we go visit, I'm like, mom, don't bake us a bunch of stuff. Oh, I only baked you three things. <laughs> right? So like it's it's just, but it is, It's it, that is a love language. And, um, and I love more. that you're sharing it with the world in your unique way. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So that. amazing. I could talk about, I could just talk all day, but, but we will do this again in person when you come in August for Chantrell season, right? Okay. Exactly. Fair enough. To forage. Uh, again. And until that day comes, let's remind everybody where they find you. So we know Instagram is at Chef Joe Gatto on Instagram. And that is like a portal to everything. But there's yep. also the book. Seriously called... from scratch. Yep. You can get that off Amazon, but you can see that on my Instagram as well. And my NPR show is on WBR in Boston. That my next show is actually coming up February 28th. How often does that air? We do once a month and I cook live and we stream it. I cook in the studio. Fun. So I do everything from scratch. So we've done pasta, 
I've done uh, tacos live. So we press tortillas. I'm doing dumplings this time. So I cook in studio. We we're on the radio, we stream it. And then after we get off the air, um, the whole radio station, all the staff and everybody, they come into the booth and I, me and my Sue cook everything and feed the radio station. That sounds like a super good time on camera and off. It's super fun. I love so everyone there. So even if you're there. not in Boston, you can stream that. And it's called, remind oh, me yeah. it's called so we oh, can yeah. find it. Yeah, it's Joe Gattos from scratch on WBUR. So it's there NPR rating 90.6. So it's really easy to find. You know, and he'll be he'll be coming after Guy on uh, on the next lineup of of the Food Network's latest cooking shows. I have a feeling. <laughs> Here we go. Get to be able to say I know that guy, and he knows Julia, so I'm one degree away. <laughs> well, you're gonna come to set, and I'm gonna cook for you, so that's fine. Okay, sweet deal. Right, it's live nice. broadcast from the set. I have that on a recording, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a contract, right? <laughs> I think it is. I think uh, I'm pretty sure it's binding. Oh, I love it. All right. So now that we know how to follow along you and all of your antics, which are yeah. just absolutely incredible, um, I'm going to come eat some 180-day pepperoni, by the way, because I think pepper pepperoni and chocolate are the two foods I would take to a deserted island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pepperoni would – pepperoni's on that list for me. I, uh, yeah. I'm i kind of addicted to it still. And, like, pepperoni, when you make it and then you put it on pizza and it does that little curl and has that little pool of oil Yeah, all day. Yeah, all day. Just so you all know, I made the I made the cup with my hand and pointed to the oil as he was saying that. So we are totally on the same page. And uh, I wasn't sure what you were doing at first, but now I get it. That's the pepperoni. <laughs> it's the pepperoni with the, with the oil it. in it. It's, it is the best part. There's nothing like it, especially when it's like sliced off the. Oh man, I could just see. I love pepperoni. It's yeah, an I'm excellent right ingredient. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, as we as as we stave off the my my compulsion to start talking about every cured meat on the planet, uh, let's talk a little bit about this whole no more Mondays thing we do. And yeah. you have really crafted a a life and career that are really intertwined and support each other. And mm -hmm. so, what's your recommendation for everybody out there on how they do the same? Like I said, really find what speaks to you. Do what you love. People think you have to follow the rules. Like, I'm going to do this. Like, I didn't go to college either. I didn't go to culinary school. I didn't go to film school. Like, I didn't do any of that. And, like, my sister's like, thinks I'm not a rule follower, but it's not about that. I do what I love. Now, just because you're passionate about something and love someone, something so much doesn't mean you don't have to work your ass off. I work hard. This does, I, I don't just float through life making pepperoni, you know? I mean, that's part of it. Like, you know, or making pizza. Like I, I'm hyper organized. I'm a hustler. I go and find people. I reach out to people constantly. I mean, I've done stuff with, you know, I did a pilot with Andrew Zimmerman's company. Like I've gone, I hustle and I made connections. One thing I definitely, recommend to people is make real connections with people don't use people make real connections because it will come back and help you and help everyone you can i do i love the philanthropic part that food gives me as well and create something that you're proud of that you love to share that you love to talk about with people that's something that for me is really important that what i do really gives back and it gives back soul and it gives back love. And when people that I haven't seen for a while see me, they hug me. I like that. 
So my thing is, is find your weird little niche, something that you love to do. I love making, you know, football players out of soap that played in 1957. Okay. I bet you there's a market for it. And I bet you can turn that into a business if you, if you really work your ass off. It doesn't happen overnight. Building a brand is something that you do every single day. I still, I build my brand every single day. And that it's really important that you, you're aware of your brands, you're aware how to build your brands, and you're doing it very consistently because if you don't do it consistently, it will just fall off the map. It's a lot of work, but you do get to do what you love. And, and there is a payoff. That is the greatest way to wrap up everything you <laughs> talked about because there's a couple points in there. I was gonna say three, but I, I always say three and it turns into 12. One is you can't, because there's this idea that like, oh, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's a little bit of, of a misnomer. It won't yeah, feel as much not. like work if you're doing it, but you have to work at it. It isn't just going to come to you. So while you say, I ride the wave, you still have to be on the surfboard managing what's coming at you and choosing kind of like, you know, which waves to to, to take in. A thousand, or not. a thousand percent. You have to wax the, the board. You know, you have to pick the beach. You have to get in shape so you can get up on the board. You have to practice over and over so you don't fall. It's all that stuff behind the scenes that people don't see. What people see is you on top of the wave looking cool with banana, 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 playing, right? But all that time that it took you to get up on that board, right? All those sunburns, everything that you had to learn about going to the beach every day, bringing a lunch, not bringing a lunch one day and realizing that you're starving. Like all of those things metaphorically that you have to learn, you do to get on the board. But once you're on that board and you start surfing, then it's addictive. Yep, exactly. And then the, and the other thing I'll say is if you take that and you pair it with service, magic will happen. I couldn't agree more. It's a willing formula. There's no true formula to success. And that's one thing that I've learned over the years that you make your own success your way because I don't know what success is to you. It's different than what it is for me. The thing that I'm working on now, just to know for let people know, like no matter how, you know, how many shows I get or anything like that, I'm always trying to work on myself. And the big thing that I'm working on now is enjoying now, not the carrot, which is very difficult to do. Oh, that it, which, Oh, you just reminded me there were three things. So it was one, you have to actively ride the wave. Two, mm -hmm. if you pair that with service, big things happens, but happen. But three, there is a really big element of patience that comes into yeah. this. There's no, I mean, of course, there's the story of an overnight or something like that. But ultimately, that's not what you want because you don't even understand what you have when something like that yeah, happens. You can boom, but you could go bust just as quickly. Exactly. That's what happens, say, like a lottery ticket winner, right? They just, they get all the money and next thing you know, they're broke. But when you build something from here, it will last and you'll really love it. And it becomes part of you, which to me is very, 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 very important that what I do matters. And it means a lot to me. I'm not in this just to be on TV and to make money. Is that a great part of it? Sure. I love that part of it too. I love making TV, right? And getting paid for what I do is awesome. It took a long time to get here of building my brand the right way. When I first started, you know, no one was, everyone was like, I wouldn't be on this podcast. No one knew who I was. I didn't start out with a, 
with a TV show. I didn't start out with my Instagram being filled with great content. It's slowly built and I didn't put it up in a day. It's years of understanding what your followers are looking for, what other people are doing. Oh, wow, that's interesting. They're doing videos now. Oh, okay, maybe I'll do videos. Oh, wow, that's too much work. I'm gonna do, now I started just doing like these five second videos. Like I pick my favorite song and like George Starwood, Bad to the Bone, and I shoot all these long pan shots of pizzas that I just made. And the reaction is awesome. That. Right, it's five seconds out of your day. So you just keep finding and trying and really just listening to what people are saying to you and what what are you getting out of it, I think is really what it boils down to. You know, not just getting up at eight and working and then shutting the computer off at five because you can't wait for five o'clock to come. Yeah. Sometimes I'm cooking and I'm like, oh crap. What time is it? Jesus. I like that. I like getting lost in it. That Zen I feeling shopping that means you've landed in the right place a, a, a pretty amazing recipe for how to succeed in life from chef Ooh, Giacotto. Like, how do you like that i i freaking want to steal that right now i'll let you steal it but it's probably also going to be the episode title <laughs> yeah, that's that's on that's on camera too crap yeah <laughs> we got all kinds of verbal contracts going on here today joe this has been so much i want to just keep having fun and chatting about all this kind of stuff but in the interest of everyone's time out there i guess we'll i guess we'll hit the pause button I get it. And yep. and leave them with this this what is a really great recipe for how to succeed in life. And it's to kind of I would say look at the grind in a different way. You don't have to grind the way the society tells you to. You can do it in your own way. Yeah, you have to live by your own rules. And that's funny. We we all, my wife and I almost did a podcast and the name of name of it was gonna be Recipe for Life. Well, maybe I am in, maybe I am inspiring you that, that you, that's supposed they, to happen. <laughs> Now I know that this was the place I was supposed to be today because you inspired me. And I mean, I can't even begin to tell you what a pleasure it was meeting the both of you and just, this was really great time spent. This was super fun and uh, we you're not rid of me. So I'm glad oh, that we good. are connected and we're gonna share good. food and solidify that one day. Absolutely, anytime you name. Joe, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your experience, sharing your love of food with us, being part of the No More Mondays and movement and all the other things. This is, you're right. This has been time very well spent and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for everyone that's listening, especially mom. Yes. I'm <laughs> Sonny and Floyd are my biggest fans. And uh, there's really, yes, there's tons of food talk here, but there's a lot of really great advice here that I hope all of you will just kind of think about as you have your next meal that you make from scratch. So there you go. I'm inspiring you to think about life and eat some good food at the same time. And if you are out there listening, I'm also going to inspire you to leave us a five-star rating and follow us wherever you get No More Mondays podcast because it is a huge help as we continue to inspire confident professionals with amazing stories like Joe's. And if you want to grab links to all of his good stuff, uh, or leave us comments, feedback, drop a guest suggestion. Visit us online at nomoremondays.info. And I will see you again next week for another edition of the No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your professional life and find career satisfaction. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info for all the details, show notes, and recommendations from this episode. No more Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. 
No More Mondays is brought to you by CareerBenders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. 